G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. A great opportunity to check in on breaking news headlines as they are happening out of Israel and the Middle East. And on the new day, a Wednesday, our regular catch-up day with Ron Ross now. Ron, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Hey, Ron, let's start with the headline. Israeli Prime Minister Bennett is having talks with US President Joe Biden expressing concerns of a damaging Iran nuclear deal. What are the headlines saying? Yeah, Bennett invited US President Joe Biden to visit Israel in a phone call on Sunday. A few hours earlier, he said the Iran nuclear deal that world powers are negotiating in Vienna will make it harder to stave off a nuclear Iran. Leaders discussed regional challenges, foremost of which is growing Iranian aggression and steps to restrain the Iranian nuclear program, his office said. Bennett congratulated Biden on the killing of ISIS leader Abu Ibrahim al-Hashimi al-Karashi last week. The world's a safer place thanks to US forces, he said. Bennett also thanked Biden for his personal and his administration's strong support for Israel, with an emphasis on U.S. aid in funding the Iron Dome. They also spoke about the tensions on the Russian-Ukraine border. There's been some big stories, hasn't there, out of the Middle East. Let's stay with Iran for a few moments. U.S. President Joe Biden lifted some of Iran's sanctions clauses last week, but the Iranian leadership says it's still not sufficient. How does this one look? Yeah, the Iran uh, foreign minister welcomed U.S. sanctions relief intended to entice Iran back to the 2015 nuclear deal, but he called it insufficient. I'm told it amounted to something like $29 billion. Lifting some sanctions in a real and objective manner could be interpreted as the goodwill that Americans talked about, the foreign minister told reporters. However, he said the move is not enough. Secretary of State Antony Blinken signed several sanctions waivers related to Iran's civilian nuclear activities. The move reverses the Trump administration's decision to rescind them. It comes as U.S. negotiators return to Vienna for what could be a make-or-break session. Uh, Let's come back to the assassination of that ISIS leader last week. Israeli intelligence has helped the USA with that assassination. Yeah, the US informed Israel in advance of the assassination of the ISIS leader last Wednesday. Happened in the village of Atmar in Idlib province in northwestern Syria. This is reported by Hebrew language news sites in the Middle East. Also known as Abdullah Kadash, he held the Israeli file in the terror organization. Israel provided intelligence to the U.S. before the assassination, Hebrew language media reported. Defense Minister Benny Gantz said it was an important and courageous operation. 
It was the largest U.S. military operation in Syria since 2019, when former ISIS leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi was assassinated by the U.S. in Idlib province, in a village near the village of Atma, where his successor was killed on Wednesday night. The world is a safer place now that the leader of ISIS has been eliminated. I commend our great ally, the United States, and the brave American soldiers for executing this daring operation, Prime Minister Bennett tweeted. Certainly not the only challenge that's facing the Middle East. Now the US is sending a destroyer and fighter planes to the United Arab Emirates as attacks in that region escalate. Yeah, the US confirmed it will deploy a guided missile destroyer as well as fighter jets to assist the United Arab Emirates following ongoing rocket attacks from Iran-backed Yemeni rebels. Secretary of Defence Lloyd Austin announced on Twitter the U.S. will send the USS Cole to conduct a joint patrol with the UAE Navy, as well as a port call to Abu Dhabi in a bid to show the U.S. commitment to the U.S.-UAE strategic partnership. Austin also confirmed the U.S. will deploy fifth-generation fighters to the region to assist the UAE against the current threat. It's unclear at this stage whether the fighters will be used as a strategy to shoot down missiles or take offensive action against the rebels. Well, sometimes it's physical activity. Other times uh, there's challenging propaganda wars going on. Let's talk about the word apartheid. And Israeli Arabs have condemned an Amnesty International report that described Israel as apartheid. What's the story here, Ron? Yeah, this doesn't uh, faze me one little bit. The Israeli Arabs I got to know in Jerusalem always told me that they'd prefer to live in Israel than any Arab-controlled country. Regional Cooperation Minister Esawish Frege of the left-wing Meretz Party conceded in a radio interview that Israel is not an apartheid state, although he was critical of what he claimed was Jewish supremacy. Meanwhile, Israel, our Arabs and organizations working towards coexistence condemned the Amnesty report, saying his findings were false and defamatory. Lorena Khatib, an Israeli member of the Druze community and a social activist, said that as an Israeli Arab citizen, I condemn Amnesty's report. I grew up studying and working with Muslim, Christian, Druze and Jews. We all put together the Israeli puzzle Despite the challenges, we enjoy equal rights and even work to fix what is not right. This is what apartheid looks like? Not to me. Stop the lies and stop promoting your agenda on my back and the back of Israeli Arab society, he demanded. And Ron, let's finish with a good story. A restored Byzantine church has reopened in Gaza. What's the story here? Yeah, the remains of a 5th century Byzantine church were unveiled in Gaza following a three-year restoration project with the strips Hamas as last rulers touting an embrace of their Christian brothers. The remains of a church and a monastery were first discovered in Jabalaya, a city in northern Gaza in 1997, over an area spanning roughly 957 square yards. The church floor is adorned with what Hamas officials described as rare mosaics including depictions of animals, hunting scenes and palm trees. 
visitors can now gaze at the mosaics from newly built elevated wooden walkways. Gaza's tourism ministry said the church's original walls were adorned with religious texts written in ancient Greek, dating from the era of Emperor Theodosius II, who ruled Byzantium from the year 408 to 450. At a ceremony marketing the site's reopening, the most senior Christian cleric in Gaza, Archbishop Alexios of Tiberias, recalled Christianity's long history in the coastal territory, noting that monasticism began in the Gaza Strip in the year 280. But the number of Christians in Gaza has been declining for years, many of them having emigrated, particularly after the Islamist movement Hamas seized power in 2007. According to local church officials, only about 1,000 Christians remain in the enclave, compared to 7,000 before 2007. Always amazing, isn't it, just how significant the Christian church history is in a part of the geography in that part of the world and uh, just a wonderful thing to be able to hear of a restored church opening there in Gaza. Ron Ross, always so good getting these updates each week. Thanks so much for a great update again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.